So yeah, like I said, if you want to, if you think you guys want to cover that, I can. I can't imagine there'll be long topics, but we can throw them in at the end. Yeah, I don't really have that much to say besides cool, and I hope that there will be no high heels in the second Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> that bothered me a lot. At this point, like, I wonder if they should just keep the high heels just to be like, look, we're still doing it. Yeah, or <laughs> you should make kind of a joke out of it, like they've done in other movies, you know. Yeah, either either stick with it all the way, or as soon as you see Bryce Dallas Howard, she takes the heels off and like just <laughs> tramps on them and puts on some like puts on some like legit running shoes <laughs> or hiking boots. That's yeah. a Nike ad right there. That's product mm-hmm. placement. Yeah, get that sponsor they should, money. They should bring back the pumps for that. <laughs> yeah, just for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like L.A. Lights or something. Now you yeah. know what? Light up LA shoes lights. probably are not good when you're running away from dinosaurs. No. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Becky Zadel. Hi. And Andy Stolls. Hello, podcast peoples. So we had a good team the last time these guys were together, so figured, hey, let's get them back. This will be fun. <laughs> I think it was, what, two weeks ago we did something? Two weeks ago. We did Wonder, ago, Woman. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, that's yeah. right. It all but blends he... together for me. I have a hard time keeping track. But Andy didn't do his bop, 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 podcast people. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that. <laughs> See now you have a thing, Andy. Oh your man, I didn't even realize I had a thing. <laughs> you have so many things. I've recorded you know probably it, most of them. What kills me about that is that you you know I I, I used to be on Grown Up Humans and each one of them had a thing and I'm <laughs> I'm a, there is you know there it's like how a lot of people don't find female comedians that funny and I'm one of them <laughs> and I don't have a thing because I'm the girl. I don't know. I wonder if I should have a thing. There's still time to come up with a thing. I'm I'll sure you'll be back. You guys, you guys can help me come up with a thing. <laughs> I Unless you want one of Andy's pop, pop, pop podcast people things. <laughs> no, it sounds better when he says it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so before we get too deep into this one, I know Becky wanted to plug some stuff, so we'll let her have the floor. Oh, just, well, very quickly, I run a charity, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Pittsburgh called MetaMesh Wireless Communities. I run it with my friend Adam, Adam Longwell. He's the executive director. And our base purpose is to bridge the digital divide. And if you don't know what that means, it means that close to 30% of people in the state of Pennsylvania don't have access to the internet. And where the internet might have been a luxury in the early 2000s and the 90s, it is an absolute necessity and, according to the United Nations, a human right. You needed to apply for jobs. You needed to go to school sometimes. You needed to complete homework and look for benefits and become an informed citizen and that's impossible when you're trying to you know pay for medicine on a part-time job or if you're a single mom and things like that you know no one wants to pay comcast verizon gouging prices well where we come in is we provide free public wi-fi in developing or otherwise poor areas so that those people don't have to say go to a coffee shop or wait in line at a library um they can as long as they're in the area, they can access our internet. But we are a charitable organization where we, we are bootstrapped. 
we sacrifice salary and sometimes rent in order to support what we do. And we are kind of reaching a, a point where we need to, we need donations is what I'm trying to say. And we don't have fun pledge periods with like Rick Seaback cookbooks like WQED does. So <laughs> please, please visit our website, metamesh.org and click on the donate button if you can. And because we're a 501c3, uh, we can provide you with a tax deductible receipt. Um, and that's it. Thank you very much. So I go help them out, donate a little bit. Everybody loves the internet. If without the internet, you wouldn't have this podcast. So come on, yeah. show your support. <laughs> if not for us, then for them. Yeah. All, all 10 of you that listen. <laughs> uh, all right. So for this episode, uh, we're going to touch on some geek headlines. We got a new trailer to talk about. So we'll probably be looking at the trailer for Black Panther. Uh, we got some headlines from Sony about their Spider-Man spinoff universe that continues to, they, they continue to talk about. We don't know if it's going to go anywhere. Uh, we got a little bit of mo- news on the next, uh, X-Men movie. Uh, Jurassic World 2 got a title today. So we'll talk about that. And a fan favorite Batman movie is hitting Blu-ray. But, before we get into all that, we're going to start with what I think is a pretty damn big story. Uh, details around this keep changing every day over the last two days, so bear with me as I try to walk you through this if you haven't been keeping up with it. Uh, but I know we've talked about upcoming Star Wars movies in the, in the past on different occasions. Uh, the next Star Wars movie to be released is going to be The Last Jedi due out in December. After that, we're supposed to get a Han Solo standalone movie, which is set to release in May of 2018. So for anyone that hasn't been following along, the movie is written by Lawrence Kasdan. This is the guy who helped write Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens. It's him and his son, John Kasdan, who wrote this movie, the Han Solo movie. Uh, the movie is set to star Alden Enreich as Han Solo. Donald Glover is in there as young Lando. Woody Harrelson, Emil Clark, Sandy Newton... They are also in there with undisclosed roles. Uh, the movie was set to be directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, which is the duo behind the Lego movie and the Jump Street movies. Now, if you notice, I said was to be set to directed by them. Because two days ago, after four months of shooting the movie, it was revealed they are no longer involved with the picture. Uh, short press releases came out from both Lucasfilm and Lord and Miller. So Kathleen Kennedy, the pr- president of Lucasfilm, her press release read... Phil Lord and Chris Miller are talented filmmakers who have assembled an incredible cast and crew, but it's become clear that we had to had different creative visions on this film, and we've decided to part ways. A new director will be announced soon. And she was very right about that. Uh, Lord and Miller's press release said, Unfortunately, our vision and process weren't aligned with our partners on this project. We normally aren't fans of the phrase creative differences, but for once this cliche is true. We are really proud of the amazing and world-class work of our cast and crew. So... Shortly after these statements were released, stories began hitting the internet that Lord Miller did not just leave on their own. They were, in fact, fired. Uh, articles began to mention that Kasdan has a very specific tone in mind for this movie and tends to really try to skip stick to the script that he has written, which apparently clashed with Lord and Miller's comedic tone and their tendency to use improvisation. Someone else close to the production had said, People need to understand that Han Solo is not a comedic personality. He's sarcastic and selfish. So the creative differences here seemed very subtle at first, but I guess became more glaring as the production continued, which is why they made it four months into production. Um, Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy hired Lord and Miller to try to add a comedic touch to the movie. Well, I think Lord and Miller thought they were hired to make a comedy, which is a big difference. Mm -hmm. 
Lord and Miller were apparently encouraging significant improvisations from their actors, which Lucasfilm felt began to shift the story off course the more they started doing that. On the other hand, there are sources saying that Lord and Miller felt they didn't have the support of producer Allison, I'm going to butcher her name, Shearmer, who was acting as the representative for Lucasfilm on set. Uh, but I guess in the end, it seems like Kathleen Kennedy stuck behind her friend Kasdan and just decided to get rid of Lord and Miller. Uh, there are disputing reports whether or not Lord and Miller saw this firing coming or if they were caught off completely off guard and just shoved off set. Um, up until today, that's where my notes stopped. But two days after the news broke of Lord and Miller being let go, Lucasfilm announced who is stepping in to take over the movie, which will be Ron Howard. <laughs> two days ago, I wouldn't have believed they could still make their project and like finish this and release it for May of 2018. Uh, but the fact that they confirmed Ron Howard this quickly, they still might be able to make this release date, but that that's pretty much all we got right now. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Do, should we have a bad feeling about this? Uh, <laughs> I know what, I'm pretty sure I knew what Disney was thinking. Disney, will you do what you're told, even though you don't agree with the story direction or plot? <laughs> Ron Howard's like, I made three Dan Brown movies, didn't I? You're hired. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I could think of because I—I I mean, this is such a huge jump. And as you said, L Miller and Lord were brought in to do kind of a comedic take on it. But Ron Howard does, you know, Apollo thirteen and serious things like that. Not always—he's right. not very consistent, but he's kind of a safe, serious bet. But the point is, is that he's a polar opposite from the Lord and Miller team. Right, exactly, yeah. And, now here's my question, forgive me, I, I kind of zoned out a bit when you were spouting out off these I, I had a lot to go through, so that's forgive fair. Me. <laughs> how far, how much of the film have they completed? Uh, are they only in post-production? No, they are, they are, they were in the middle of shooting principal photography. Okay, they, that's... They were four months in, they had apparently three and a half weeks left to go. Okay. So he, that's still a lot, and so much can happen in post-production. Thanks, DC, um, <laughs> for confirming that. Uh, that's what worries me, because if you have, like, a comedic take that's been shot thus far, I mean, I don't know. Ron Howard can do comedy. I love Arrested Development. Uh, right, yeah, I was going to make that point, yeah. Yeah, uh, here, here, here's some money. Go make a Star War. <laughs> but... <laughs> It still kind of worries me because they're complete polar opposite directors. Right. The question needs to be asked, what is usable out of what yeah. they shot the last four months? Do they have to scrap the entire thing and go back to trying to shoot and repair? I mean, it sounds like they don't have to rewrite the script. If they're going by Kasdan's script, the script seems to be good. So, but having four months of shot footage, you're not going to be able to make up that time and still release in May of 2018. Now, they every movie nowadays, especially these big blockbusters that cost a lot of money, they schedule reshoots ahead of well, I don't want to say reshoots because it makes it sound like they're they're fixing the movie. They schedule pickups later on through the process. They'll do principal photography, they'll take a couple months off, they'll schedule everybody to come back for a couple weeks to just add additional scenes and stuff like that. Um for this movie, it could be labeled as reshoots. They could be doing a lot of stuff over again to fix what came before. So we'll just have to see if that schedule works for them and they get what they need and can actually use some of that stuff. I don't know. Andy, you want to jump in? Um, <laughs> the thing that I thought was interesting about this whole story was that uh, they were actually looking at Kasdan to direct, but he had, there was, there's some kind of law with the, the, um, 
Producers Guild of America, I think the PGA. I can't remember what. The yeah, it's like Directors for, but, Guild uh, or one of the one of those guilds. Yeah, that's one involved. of the guilds wouldn't like. There's a law or a rule that you can't take over, and unless it's like a short, uh, you know, emergency stint or whatever from producer to director or something. Yeah, I think it's I more know. like you can't. Like if he was labeled from the start as being a producer and a director, if Kazdin was, they would you right. know producer, writer, director. They would probably let that slide. But right, midway but through production, you can't the, be like right, promoted right. midway through like that. Right, which I think is kind of an odd rule. But, um, I mean, I like Ron Howard movies, so uh, that's that's pretty exciting. Uh, another thing that I found out when I did a little bit of research on on this was that I didn't know that uh, Rogue One had a couple of reshoots from a different director. Oh yeah. no, you can tell that by the trailer. There are parts in the trailer for Rogue One. They apparently they read did the entire third act like the third act was completely changed and i don't know to what extent because i'm going to tell you guys something here and, and please don't cut my mic <laughs> i don't like star wars as much as most people what I get like, off this show <laughs> i i like it no i really really like it i don't love it okay i own the box blu-ray set i've gifted it i've got cool stuff everywhere and i get all the tropes and all the the references but it's it's not. I'm not Ted Mosby. I don't come back to it to make myself feel. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't love it, but I, I'm kind of interested to know. Apparently, there's a lot of things in the trailer for Rogue One that didn't make it in the final cut. Yes. And that were. Do you know? Forgive me, but do you know about that? What were? What direction were they trying to take it? Uh, yeah, I don't like. If you go back and watch the some of the earlier trailers for Rogue One, there's specifically because it's it's one of those shots that blew my mind when I first saw the trailer. Um, they have the entire like group of Rogue One characters running along a beach towards right. ATATs, and they're being blasted at as they're running across the beach. If you look at what Jin Erso is holding as she's running across the beach, she is holding the Death Star plan. She has that disc in her hand, right, right, which obviously doesn't happen in the final product of the movie. She never makes it back to land when she gets that disc. Mm-hmm. So they had a completely different way to for all that stuff to unfold. From what I understand now. You know, depending on who you talk to or what you read, I feel like you hear different stuff. Um, yeah, every article like says something different. From from what I gather, Gareth Edwards had like a D-Day third act in mind. Like boots on the ground, troop movements just all over the place. And I don't know if it was too dark and gritty or or I've seen that them say that like it didn't feel quote unquote Star Wars enough. Huh. Um, so they apparently changed the way that played out and added a space battle. And not only added a space battle, but that whole corridor sequence with Darth Vader at the end was a reshoot. Which is arguably one of the better scenes in the movie. So you can't knock the reshoots? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm just saying that I know that... So they brought in... uh, Do you you know who John Gilroy is? He edited Suicide Squad. And uh, Suicide Squad was notably heavily edited. Oh, yeah. And they brought in... Uh, John Gilroy specifically to edit and do the reshoots for Rogue One. I think it was Tony um, Tony Gilroy, right? Tony, I think it was Tony Gilroy. Definitely John Gilroy. Why am I okay? Yeah, I thought and, I heard differently, but go ahead. Um, but uh, I I don't know. I was just I'm wondering maybe they'll use him. I I, I mean, he's like the editing master. I I'm just <laughs> there's such. I, I can't keep coming back to this more. That and that and me, like, so. Do you, 
out of this comes so many jokes about Ron, you know, Ron Howard narrating things like <laughs> Han Solo saying, I cannot survive under the Falcon. Perhaps a TIE fighter shall I seek. <laughs> and then the narrator, Ron Howard, real shoddy directing, just pure crap. <laughs> you know, I just keep like thinking about because I love Arrested Development so much. But um, oh, there's going to be so many of those jokes. I can't wait. Oh, the memes are probably already happening. <laughs> oh, they are. They've started. Uh, Reddit movies, there's so many of them. But how much reshooting are they going to have to do? Because the reshooting in Rogue One cost them quite a bit. And they were well, already done. The article shooting. I'm reading says that it they did bring in that Tony Gilroy for Rogue One. Okay, I thought it was John Gilroy. Forgive me, I was... That's okay. Are there two different Gilroys, or are you thinking it's the same guy for both movies? Ah, Brother of Tony Gilroy. It's okay, definitely the Gilroy John brothers Gilroy. are just in Hollywood to fix movies. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Two of the film's editors, John Gilroy, who I said editor of Suicide Squad and Nightcrawler and Pacific Rim, and brother of Tony Gilroy, who did Born Legacy. So they're brothers, and they both worked on the film. But they brought in John Gilroy specifically to do the Rogue One reshoots. Tony Gilroy was already working on the movie. He brought in his brother John to help after the reshoots. Oh, okay, I got you. Okay, so they're both there. We weren't. Okay. Neither of us were wrong. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest thing ever? <laughs> it rarely ever happens. We'll have to, we'll have to bookmark that one. <laughs> I I don't know. I I have confidence in Ron Howard, but and plus he has kind of you know. Well, I feel I, like I, the thing with Ron Howard. I think I think Kathleen Kennedy. I think has a specific tone and and something in mind for these Star Wars movies and I think Ron Howard fits more in line with what she might be looking for. Right. But it, I think you're right uh, actually. Do you think that they the um Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. The Lord Miller team were just too funny for her? I well, yeah, I mean, I think the the way one of the quotes that I found that I tried to mention, I think it's like they probably met like pre-production, you know, trying to figure out how to break the story and what to do for the movie. And Lord and Miller came at it from that comedic side of it. And they Lucasfilm probably thought, you know, yeah, it'd be fun to have sort of a, a, a little bit of a comedic tone to it. And Lord Miller interpreted that as, let's go make a comedy, which hmm. having a comedic tone and making a comedy are two different things. You're absolutely right. So by the time Lucasfilm realized they were taking it and running it with a, like a comedy background and that kind of thing, then the seriousness of cast and script went out the window. Hmm. And I can see you, that. I can definitely have, see that. When you have Star Wars legend, sort of, uh, Lawrence Kasdan being involved in this movie, possibly, probably his last go at a Star Wars movie, yeah. and suddenly his script is being torn to shreds because of a tone shift, I, I don't think he's going to sit real well with that. And I think Kathleen Kennedy probably stuck by her colleague who she's worked with before and knows. And I mean, I'm still surprised they waited this long to pull the trigger and get them out of there because that's got it's going to cost them a shit ton of money. Not that they don't yeah. have it, but that's still going to run up a lot more production costs to get this movie back on track and get it working again. Yeah, I gotta say, I hope this is more Apollo 13 slash Willow slash Rush, Ron yeah. Howard, yeah, than Da Vinci movies, Ron Howard, because <laughs> those were terrible. I mean, the books weren't that great, but. Um, I don't know. Ron, Ron Howard can do both drama and comedy. I, I, he, he I, melds them together really well. He does. And I, I have confidence in him and I'll be honest. I, I don't, 
I kind of want to see a Ron Howard Star Wars movie. I just wish it wasn't under these conditions. Right. Honest. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you kind of wish that he had. Beginning. Yeah, taken the reins from the beginning, like you said. Um, I guess the other question is: Do we think it should be delayed? Does it does it need to be delayed past May of 2018? Just to give I them think time. Ron, if, if I were Ron Howard, I would push for it to be delayed. Because I mean, they moved from the December release date, so if they delay it, they could effectively hit that December release date again, which I would be completely fine with. Having Star Wars movies in December was like one of the best things ever. Yeah, right. it's like a Christmas gift. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I I would like to see them do that. They seem to be pretty adamant. They want to get back to May releases, so they're really pushing for that May release. Why? Because May the fourth. Of... Well, May May was traditionally always the Star Wars release month. At the end of May was when all the other Star Wars movies came out, like the the, the original trilogy, the prequels. It only it, Force Awakens was originally supposed to be out end of May of 2015, but because of script delays and trying to get everything situated, they pushed it six months, which hit which is when it hit December. Hmm. And then it sort of like looked like it was going to push all the other movies back behind it, but now I guess they're trying to get back on track and get get back to the maze. Um. The only thing, one of the things that I keep thinking about is like, what is this going to do for future standalone movies? Because you you figure if if Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy are trying to make this movie feel more quote unquote Star Wars, you would think that's what the episode movies are for. Like yeah. you go to those episode movies thinking, okay, I know exactly what I'm in for. This is a Star Wars movie. These standalones, I feel like, were marketed as being able to be a departure from that. Different stories, different creators, different genres, and if they're making them if they're going to make all the standalones feel the same, I think you you run the risk of having Star Wars get stale, which is something no one wants. Uh, right. It's something a lot of neckbeards want. <laughs> Maybe, I, but I, not I, me. No, ser- I, I, ser- no I, I completely agree with you. That's the point of the standalone films. You can have a, a, a drama, you can have a dramedy. I mean, that's what Ron Howard does best, in my opinion. But at that being said, if you're trying to make them all the same and all perfectly canon, I, well canon that doesn't even exist yet except for fanfic i i mean there are people out there who are like no it has if it's in the star wars universe it has to be this and this and absolutely not that but i i agree with you i think that's the point of the standalone films they're supposed to be standalone their own tone so i I don't know then again it's also too early to speculate i mean we we have a director who is successful brought in and a team that I think quite unfairly was locked out of their own movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm also surprised that Ron Howard was even available for this. That yeah, was my initial thought. You'd think that he'd have a pretty fucking packed schedule. His his name came although, up immediately after they can, got let go, and it yeah. seemed like people were writing him off because he was busy. Like he had stuff on his schedule that they didn't think he'd be able to do this. As a director, though, wouldn't if someone came up to you and like, "Hey, uh, so we have this Star Wars." I'm in. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I think that's know? exactly what happened. Let me move I mean, some stuff around. I'll get back to you in about twenty minutes. <laughs> well, there's another layer to this too, because Lord and Miller were apparently, you know, that Flash movie we keep talking about for DC that can't get off the ground and just keeps having the revolving door of directors. Yeah, after in the hiatus or something. In well, they, the hiatus of Han Solo. They talked about when. Movie. Yeah, yeah. When the uh, when the Flash movie was originally announced, they were on board to I think direct or possibly and I think I actually think they wrote a story treatment, possibly a screenplay yeah, for it. Twenty fifteen, they wrote a they wrote a, a story treatment for the Flash. Okay, 
and I didn't quite get picked up or anything like that, but because I thought they were in line to possibly direct, and then this Han Solo movie came up, and they left the Flash to do Han Solo. Right. And then apparently, yeah, the other articles were saying that during a break in filming Han Solo, they met with supposedly met with DC again about the Flash. So they could have a job lined up right after they get kicked off this one and go back to the Flash, which is in desperate need of a director. I thought, didn't they have someone in the front running for that? Wasn't it like Zemeckis or something? They were talking about Zemeckis. I don't know. It seemed like that was a far-fetched idea and more of like wishful thinking for a lot of people. Okay. Like, I would actually love to see a Robert Zemeckis Flash movie. I think that would be fantastic. Um, But if they can't get Zemeckis because he's got so much other stuff to do, I think Lord and Miller would work for that movie. I think their comedic tone would fit better with The Flash than a Han Solo movie. Yeah. I can see that. So, we will have to see. Because The Flash really hasn't quite been as established as Han Solo as a character in the movie realm. Right. Mm, in the movie realm, yeah. Yeah. Well even still I, I mean, think you know comic comic realm and uh T V realm, you know, the Flash has existed for a long time. But the only flash of the flash that we've gotten is uh uh flash Batman v Superman. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> um well even like the you know the little bit we see of Flash in the trailers for Justice League, he's cracking jokes. Right. So already I feel like that tone would work better with, with them. And I guess, you know, it could be said for, for Han Solo, maybe Lucasfilm wants to take gambles with these standalone movies, but everybody, they know everybody loves Han Solo. So you don't want to mess with Han Solo too much because I think people are already probably skeptical of a, of a young Han Solo movie. So the more you mess with that formula and that character, I think you're going to really turn people off from it. So maybe they're just really trying to play it safe with that one. And that's why it, it didn't work as a comedy or a little bit more funny. I don't know. I'm I'm just spitballing here. I don't know their track record for these Star Wars spin-offs movies isn't real good so far as far as like directors and reshoots and stuff. Yeah. I mean, if they had sort of that third act issue with Rogue One and now they're not even done with principal photography. Well, let's not forget we, we back when stuff was in that like originally they had I think they were talking about three standalone movies at one point. The first one was going to be Rogue One. There was one that Josh Trank was supposed to be attached to. <laughs> yep. And then there was the Han Solo one. So the Josh Trank one fell through. They they didn't even let him get near a Star Wars film, but that was mostly his fault. All the stuff that happened with the change in the third act for Rogue One and now all the change in direction of, of Han Solo. It Yeah, it doesn't seem like they know what they're doing. It, and it, it's really funny that the, the, the episode movies, like Episode 7 and Episode 8... Don't seem like they have too much problem. Like they're they seem like they're they're pretty cut and dry as yeah. far as like getting stuff done without any issues. And then you go to these standalone movies that are just train wreck yeah. after train wreck. Yeah, there's um I'm seeing a lot of rumors and the more rumors you see, the more you think that they might be true as opposed to one asshole from TMZ leaking one <laughs> thing that he that he heard a grip say while drunk. Right. Um But I've heard that the Lord and Miller team said that a lot of the actors weren't up to snuff. And oh, that they're, okay. yeah, that cat recasting. I mean, it, it all depends on the extent of the reshoots. Like if, if Ron Howard decides to like reshoot, say 45% on one top, I can, so what I've heard, it, I'm just reading now that there's only 15% left to shoot. Which, um, yeah, I guess would make sense if they finished four months of shooting and only have three weeks left to go. Right, exactly. So if he, but if he decides to reshoot, I mean, Disney's got money. 
oodles of money. <laughs> and Star Wars is popular, so he could probably have the ability to reshoot even 50% of it. But, I mean... Well, the problem is going to be how much time do they want to give him to do that? How much time it, it, does he have free in the schedule? That, how much time do they want to delay the movie if they need to? But, that being said, just let's stay back and let's stand back for a second and look at how unprecedented of a situation this is. Oh, yeah. They finished 90% of filming. And the director, directors have been kicked right off before shooting or locked out of the editing room, like before shooting or after of the right. editing room, like for Suicide Squad. But to fire the director after shooting 90% of any movie, let alone the biggest franchise on earth, featuring one of the most famous characters ever, that's huge. Yeah, that, yeah, that leads so me to think that this problem was a lot worse than anyone is yeah, leading on. That's what I'm thinking, and I've heard things about actors not being happy, directors not being happy, I mean, no one being happy, especially Kennedy. Yeah. So that's, I mean, creative differences as a, you know, as a, maybe they're right. This is absolutely something where they couldn't agree, and it was just hell going forward. And it right, must right. have been absolute hell if yeah. they had finished 90% and got kicked. Well, I think I wouldn't. Yeah, go ahead, Andy. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Kazan and Kennedy actually had a list for Ron Howard. Like, we want you to reshoot these. Yeah, we want you to redo these specific scenes that we didn't like. What what uh, those two did. Well, I wouldn't even be surprised if there was like some backroom stuff going on. Like, as soon as they started getting back dailies, that they saw the movie sort of going off the rails. Yeah, I'm sure Lucasfilm was out there shopping it around saying, or maybe they even, like, I would imagine they're being sort of buddy-buddy with Ron Howard. Maybe they just threw it his way and said, hey, look, look at this. What do you think? What would you do differently? And they start to get a little bit of rapport, and he starts talking about, well, if I had, the, you know, if it was my movie, I would do it this way. I would, I would try it this way and do that. Because this deal did not happen in two days. I guarantee you they were talking to Ron Howard long before Phil Lord and Chris Miller actually got fired. Yeah. And as soon as they pulled the trigger, they were like, okay, get the deal done with Ron Howard. Let's get it done and get this thing moving again. But but also think about it this way. I'm, I'm sorry. Were you fin- No, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So if Disney, the Disney Kennedy and Kazdan team were so upset about this that they fired their directors 90% of the way through, um, think about it. Any other studio and producing team, oh, I don't know, DC comic book movies, would have just bitten the bullet. <laughs> And released a subpar movie and rode the waves of the brand. But not this team. They want, they have a, you, just as you said, Kennedy has a very specific vision for this film that we don't know about. Right. And was not happy. I mean, this is a huge deal and I, I'm still really shocked about it, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Um, either that or they felt that the finished product was really abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it very much could have been that way. We don't know. Uh, I mean, I like Lord and Miller as, as much as the next guy, but their blockbuster production experience is, is kind of slim compared to it's someone limited. like... Yeah, compared to yeah. Ron Howard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when this was originally, originally announced and they were attached to direct, I was actually really excited to this because I'm a big fan of the I Lego movie. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the Jump Street movies, so I thought their their take on this would be really, really fun. But yeah, the more you're hearing about this, it, it seems like it might not have went the direction I would have liked to have seen. I think I probably would have fallen more in line with Lucasfilm and wanted just a comedic touch and not a comedy for this. I, I'm really, really conflicted about this, though, because, okay, you said before, there's a difference between having a comedic element to a film and then having a comedy film. Yeah. 
But if you think about the very first episode, who was the comedic relief in the first in the first three episodes? Han and Chewie. Uh, well, I mean, to a lesser extent, C-3PO. I was going to say, I'd argue the, the droids. droids. The droids, yeah. But, you know, Han Solo's cavalier attitude with Chewie, you know. Well, that's I the thing. The only see... difference with that is Han is not intended to be funny. Like, his character is not cracking jokes. He's more sarcastic. Jokes. Right. He's, yeah, he's more sarcastic. He's being a dick funny. to people, and we interpret it as jokes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, well, I mean, if you look at Jump Street, you've got characters like that, too. Right, yeah, so I feel like it could have worked had they just, you know, I don't know, hashed it out better or really, really tackled what they wanted to do and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, the, the, all these news stories kind of make it sound like uh, Lord and Miller were kind of like SNLing it. Yeah, that's <laughs> what they it were like, sounded okay, like. Here's a prop, do, go do something with this, you know? <laughs> well, like, think about their, their, their... Or like, whose line is it anyway? <laughs> think about their, their movies they worked on. Like, the Lego movie was probably most improvised, like a lot of improvi- improvised stuff. Oh, and, I, and I'm sure Jonah Hill and... Channing Tatum had a blast doing 21 Jump Street, right. you know, mm-hmm. or 22 Jump Street. So if that's the way they're like, used okay, to working, do something funny or whatever, you know. If that's the way they're used to working, and then they get a Star Wars gig, it's like, oh, we could we could totally take this sensibility and apply it to Star Wars. Hmm. And then they started seeing, well, that's not how we work over here. And then things started getting a little heated. Yeah. Because the other thing I think I was reading too is like some of the actors were being told to improvise stuff, and they're not good at improvising, which is why they had a hard time. Right. I mean, right. I'm sure someone like Donald Glover is like all over the place with improvisation because that guy's awesome. But I love Donald. Yeah, but but who knows about the the kid who is Han Solo? Right? I mean, has he had any improvisation? I don't know style? what. The only <laughs> thing I know him from is yeah. Hail Caesar, and I don't know how much was improvised for a movie like that. Yeah, I've never seen that. Um, but well, you know, we'll get we're gonna see a lot in the next coming weeks with an a- the age of the internet. Where if we see casting announcements then you know they're going to be reshooting a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I wonder, do you think, um, do you guys think that this might cost them, like, a couple of actors? Do you think, like, the, because Becky said she heard that none of them were happy. I mean, could some of these actors not like Ron Howard or like the the Lord Miller team? Well, the other thing, too, is I'm sure everyone is contracted for this movie. Yeah. So they do- might be locked in regardless. I, I think that's that's going to be a Disney signs contracts in blood. Um, yeah. I you know I I really really and plus say you're an up and coming actor with not that many you know silver screen, uh, you know th- items on your resume. Are you going to leave one of the biggest anticipated films of 2018? No. Yeah. You are not going to do. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think this is an, a time will tell kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, because I was spe- actually, I was anxiously awaiting a trailer, and I don't think we're going to see a trailer for at least another four or five months. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm I'm guessing, for me, I'm guessing October. I'm guessing October for Well, this. think about, yeah, think about near the end of the year what big Disney movies are. Well, actually, it could be paired with Last Jedi. You could get a trailer for Han Solo in front of Last Jedi. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they waited until that long. Or even Thor in November. Either one of those, I think, would be a good. I mean, they're they're all Disney owned, so I'm sure they'd want to put Han Solo trailer in front of one of the Disney movies. When is Last Jedi expected to be released? Uh, uh, December twenty something, right around the week before Christmas. No, eight, it's like an eighteenth or seventeenth, something like that. But of twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen? Seventeen. Seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I could see them pairing that definitely. 
Yeah, because you're looking at, what, six months before the release mm-hmm. of the movie? Yeah. Five. Yeah, five and a half, really. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, all you... we can do right now is speculate. Which is half the yeah. fun, really. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> do you guys think that this will hurt uh, Lord and Miller's chances at future movies? Through whatever studio? Pick one. No. I don't think so. In fact, I bet you <laughs> if you get some of the, like the uh, smaller studios or some of the comedy studios, they'll jump at them. Yeah. Oh, you pissed off Disney? Hop on board. <laughs> well, um, I mean, regardless, it's not like people are like throwing mud at each other. Like Lord and Miller are not talking shit on Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm was not talking shit on Lord and Miller. Yeah. Now, Which is completely the opposite of like what happened with the the Trank massacre. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure there will be rumors flying about what went down behind the scenes, none of which we'll be able to confirm or know for sure. So, and as long as no one's coming their... out... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, as long as no one's coming out talking shit on the other person, I think their reputation is, is fine. I don't think they're going to do that, and if they do do that, it'll be years after. Oh, and yeah. guild rules are very, very, almost unnecessarily, you know, strict. Right. They're gonna get they're they're gonna get their director credits no matter what. Yeah, well, especially um, if you shoot over ninety percent of the film. Exactly. Um, and unless and most and again, I so I worked at Reed Smith, so I've worked on these types of contracts. Um, unless Ron Howard reshoots over fifty percent of the movie, his credit will actually be below theirs. Yeah, uh, that's right. I think I I did know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a guild. It's a guild rule based on how much they film. So if he does film, say forty five percent on top of that, then then only then will his credit go above Lord and Miller's. But and maybe it'll be one of those things where oh, that's a Lord and Miller scene. That's a Ron Howard scene. You know. Yeah, I'm hoping it's not that obvious whenever this movie is put together. I hope not to. I'm hoping that Ron Howard's. You know experience in both comedy and drama drama will help him yeah has uh, has do you guys know a lot about ron howard has he ever has he ever done this before has he ever fixed a sinking ship um i don't know if anyone's actually done it to this extent no one has to this extent i i can't think of i'm trying to think of, of anything this this late in the game right. i i one of the reasons why this is such big news is because it's so unprecedented at such a late stage. It either happens before the shooting or before editing. Um, I, I don't think so. Yeah, Andy, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't have an answer for yeah, you. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything either. I'm trying to think. I know that he was... I know that he had partners in the dilemma... I'm wondering if he took over, but nothing this late. Ron Howard. Was that, was that the Vince Vaughn? Flick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. This I I can only speculate so much. This is one of those. <laughs> well, we've got to see. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're all just hope hopefully optimistic on this one. Yeah. That's that's exactly that's well put. <laughs> it, well, I it, mean. I have faith in Ron Howard too, so if anyone can do it, I'll bet you it'd be him. Yeah, I mean, if if it needed, if the if they needed to get Lord and Miller off there, they've done it. Now it's just you know repair. I think Ron Howard's a good choice to repair. I think I, I yeah, I'm with Andy. I think if anybody could come in and do it, I think because they were tossing around his name, Lawrence Kasdan, and then the other name I heard tossed around was uh, Joe Johnston. 
hmm. who did uh, probably most notable the Captain America First Avenger movie. Um, he used to work for ILM, so he's got some inside scoop as far as like connections with you know Lucasfilm and and you know like an an alumni type of thing. So I feel like he could have worked it out, but I feel like Ron Howard's more experienced than Joe Johnson probably, and and has a better fit there. So yeah, we'll we'll keep our eyes on this one, see if we hear anything else, because like we heard nothing about this movie for months, and then this happened, and then like. You know, everything was right all all at once. You get all this news for this one movie that had nothing going for it before. We so. find out that Clint Howard is recast as Han Solo. I think we have to run. <laughs> 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 Fingers crossed that those contracts can't go anywhere. Yeah, oh, ditto. Uh, all right, so that's where we got on that one. Uh, we're going to go to the Black Panther trailer, uh, which hit last week. Marvel gave us our first look at Black Panther. Uh, which is set to release in February, February 16th of 2018. Uh, directed by Ryan Coogler, who directed Creed. Stars Chadwick Boseman reprising his role of T'Challa from Civil War. Uh, anything stick out to you guys about the trailer? Since it was just a teaser trailer, so we don't get really like plot points or anything like that. There's so much in this trick. Guys, I'm such a huge Black Panther fan. <laughs> I I mean, so Black Panther... Let me just give you a little rundown. Black Go Panther was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in Fantastic Four number 53. Yes, I have this memory. Uh, <laughs> and he was stealing vibranium from Wakanda, and he murdered T'Challa's father, and then he became a robot. I'm pretty sure that's not the direction these movies are going to go. <laughs> the, these films are more of uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates's first two arcs in the Black Panther, um, which have kind of become the status quo for Wakanda in the Mar- Marvel Universe. And guys, if you have not read any of the recent Ta-Nehisi Coates Black Panther, read them. Uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is a political writer for The Atlantic. He's been on C-SPAN. He's just a really gifted writer. And he brings all of this kind of political, very salient issues that we're dealing with in the United States right now into his books about race relations, about everything, and he weaves them into Black Panther. And his Wakanda, I believe, is what we're seeing in this trailer. How how long ago did he start writing for Black Panther? Three years ago. Okay, fairly new. All right. Yeah. Um, so the one before then was uh, uh, Priest. I forget Priest's first name. Um, Priest wrote Black Panther in 1999. Uh he, uh, T'Challa, then Black Panther, was mainly um, a State Department employee running around New York. And he would get in fights with, like, Iron Man and Man-Ape. And <laughs> I, I mean, we, we do see Man-Ape, apparently, in the trailer, but we'll, we'll see. Oh, yeah, I think, now that you yeah. mentioned, I do think I saw him. Yeah, but uh, Coates dives into a lot into Wakandan geography and society, and this hyper-advanced and diverse, you know, culture um and i think that's what we're seeing both in the post-credit scene in civil war and this teaser trailer and i love it i love (laughs) black panther oh i'm so excited (laughs) um but and there's also all these new characters and don't forget that we've got um claw played by uh andy circus yeah who martin that's how the the trailer opens is martin freeman is uh everett K. Ross. I think that's his character name. Yes, yeah. Oh. Hey, at least I didn't say Morgan Freeman's time. <laughs> uh, uh, Everett K. Ross is interviewing Claw. 
Um, Which I love that opening for that trailer. Yeah, I love I do the too. tone that that sets. Um, Andy Serkis was Claw in Age of Ultron. Um, so we'll see. Uh, also created by Kirby. Oh yeah, he was the robot. Claw was the robot. But I don't think that the, they're going to take him that way this time. Um, so, so does he get another hand? Because currently he doesn't have a hand. Well, I think that's the one little point that they're going to use. Um, so Claw stole Vibranium and Fantastic Four. And he murdered Black Panther's father. Okay. That's the that's his intro back in way back in Jack Kirby uh uh Stanley times. So then he does lose his hand, but then he gets turned into a robot a la kind of Darth Vader. And okay. right now he's just missing a hand. So I think that's kind of the one hook they've gotten to the background of Claw. Um but I don't know, I'm more I'm just excited about seeing all of these amazing characters. Um, they just released, um, they saw that um, Nightshade, I think, is the name of the character that they're bringing in as another protagonist. Um, Forrest Whitaker is playing, what the hell, man? You can't have a film. <laughs> the fucking Forrest Whitaker. He's playing Zuri. Um, he, he's kind of like, um, uh, who do you call it? Doctor Strange's... Um, Guy that's going to be the villain in the next movie. Mordo. Thank you. He's like, so he was a warrior ally of um, Black Panther, but now he's going to be an antagonist. So, oh, so is Forrest Whitaker the villain for the movie? Yeah, he, he's one of the villains, we think. Um, so there's multi-villains. So uh, sometimes it's not a good sign. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> It, but, I don't know, I think they're putting a lot of, I don't know, forgive me for all this brain dump, the stat <laughs> dump, but I'm very excited about this movie. And, um, I I don't know, there's, there's a lot of both beautiful filmography in it, and just showing Wakanda's society, which, as we saw in Civil War, was hidden. And in some versions of Wakanda in Civil War, or, um... Fantastic Four, it's like a hidden society, and sometimes it's just an open country that uh-huh. is very rich and traded with. Um, I think they're going to go with the hidden, flourishing society that is hidden because they want to stay out of people's shit. Well, especially because um, Wakanda's supposed to be like yeah. really technologically advanced. It so is. So if they're that yeah. far above everybody else, why are they, if they're like, you know, easily findable, then why is their technology not all over the place? But if they're hidden, that, right. that gives you that excuse that no one else has their shit or has seen their shit. And right. that might be part of the plot point, too. I, I think it will be, honestly. I think Vibranium is going to play a big part in it. You know, like, trying to expose what Wakanda really is. As well, let's not forget, te- too, that technology uh, and Winter Soldier's hanging out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, mm. he's frozen there. He, but he's there. So I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's going to be something that they'd use for this movie is someone finally coming after him. Mm. Uh, could be. Does that mean you think that we will have some? Uh... I can't think of the word. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for, forgive me. Zuri is not. A, uh, he's an ally in this film. <laughs> uh, Killmonger, Eric Killmonger, and um, uh, Mbaku, which is War Ape. Those are the two. Forgive me, villains that they're pushing in this movie, apparently. Okay. Um, I know nothing Kill- about either of those. So, Killmonger is basically the Wakandian Batman. 
Hmm. Uh, he developed a hatred of Black Panther, turned himself. He's like, you know, he's basically Batman. He doesn't have superpowers, but he puts himself into peak physical condition. He's a genius. He's very science. I hope in he goes running to- around going, I'm Killmonger, like with the with the Batman voice. Uh, did you see? <laughs> he's wearing a big, like, African tribal mask with a gun. Oh, okay. Yeah, I that saw was, that. I didn't know who that, that was. That was him. And you see him without the mask. He's got the dreads in the in the throne room for like a, a few seconds. Okay. Okay. Um, and then Mbaku, played by Winston Duke, um, he was an Inven- Avengers villain, but again, that's Manape. Um, so, okay. and he does have superpowers. He's very fast and he's very strong. Do we know who uh, Michael B. Jordan is playing, or is that still unannounced? Um, I don't know. Oh, oh he's he's Killmonger. He's Killmonger. Oh, okay. He is Eric Killmonger, and he is the principal antagonist as far as we know so far. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many characters that have been unrevealed unless you know the comics, and I think the way that they're going to weave it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, into Civil War, uh, and then just, I don't know, I'm so excited to see Wakanda. (laughs) Uh, you know, this advanced and diverse African society, I'm just stoked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does uh, I don't pretty know. cool. I can't say enough good things about the trailer, <laughs> and, and, and if they base, now, Ta-Nehisi Coast is not a writer on, but I think that they're drawing a lot of inspiration on the most recent comics in this. And just from what I've seen in, in the trailer, because if you look at the difference between, um, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee's, version of uh black panther and then you look at uh priests black panther from the 1990s this is more tanihisi Coates's area so uh, well, that would I'm make sorry. sense i feel like if if he just started writing the comic three years ago and they knew that they wanted to make a black panther movie then you follow what the comics are doing now so if people go see the movie and they want to buy a comic they're looking at on the page what they saw in the movie theater mm-hmm. yeah i'm I don't know. I can't. I want to see the full trailer. I can't wait for that. I'm really. I'm. I'm pretty stoked. I. I do know, and this is what was released. I think today. Um, the third villain again. Now, this is where I want to ask you guys: How many villains is too much? Um, <laughs> night. Night. <coughs> Batman and Robin. <coughs> yeah, that's. Not- um, <laughs> so you've got Michael B. Jordan playing Eric Killmonger, and you've got uh, Winston Duke Mbaku, aka Manape. And then you've got the third, the the female who looked like she was just in SWAT gear. That's Nightshade. She's going to be the tertiary villain. Um. Yeah, I, I. How many is too much? Is is it okay that you've got a team of villains up against Black Panther and his dad? Uh. Well, his dad was was his dad killed. His dad was yeah, killed. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Sorry, I, spoilers. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking in my head, spoilers or it's been a year. Yeah, right? I mean so they I might. He, right. he, he might be in some flashbacks. I I think there's going to be this is something that's going to require heavy flashbacks. In my opinion, yeah. I don't that hasn't been shown, but telling Wakanda's story without T'Challa is going to be difficult. Yeah, I mean they set up T'Challa in Civil War. They don't set up Wakanda in Civil War. So if they need if Wakanda needs a backstory, this is where you're going to get it. Yeah. Um so we've got two villains, one with superpowers, one who's basically a black Batman, forgive me. And then you've got um, Nightshade, who is a genius, but she has a serum that can turn herself and other people into a werewolf. That's her thing. Oh, that's neat. From the <laughs> comics. We don't know if they're going to take that. 
Um, the actress who's playing her, whose name I can't pronounce, forgive me. That's okay, um, I do she, this all the time. She revealed yesterday uh, that she was playing um, Nabia Bay is the actress's name. She revealed that she's playing Tilda Johnson, a.k.a. Nightshade. Um, yeah, I so, think, I mean, more to your question, I think three villains is, is too many, from a, just my personal opinion. I think two is the max you can do. Yeah, I'm a little worried, honestly. But, and, e- I mean, and even when you do two villains, sometimes it doesn't work out. Right. So Are they trying to fill some sort of female minority quota? Honestly. Uh, I mean, you hope It seemed not. like they had a couple of uh, female versus female fights. Well, I think, what, T'Challa has bodyguards that are female warriors, right? I oh, can't she... remember the name of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, He's got, uh, what's her face? Because uh, you get a glimpse of them in Civil War. Like, she's the one, like, Black Widow tries to talk to T'Challa, and the, the woman basically says, like, step off. So the Dora Milaye uh, is the king's all-female guard in Wakanda. Right, okay, yeah. So, yeah, and you see them. You, you see them for a brief second. They, they're they all bald, and they've got, like, red suits. Yeah. Um, so, maybe that's... And, and, oh, by the way, the females in Wakanda have a very powerful, equal presence to their male co- counterpart, for you know, obviously, um, in Wakanda. I, I don't know. It's just politically and... <laughs> Anthropologically speaking, I'm so excited. I, you know, just because, look, you've heard me bitch last time about how they've basically diluted Black Widow into nothing. She's a trope at this point, and it really makes me sad because of that whole team. Even in Civil War, you've got her and you've got um, the Scarlet Witch. And Scarlet Witch is still kind of a kid. So she's still kind of discovering who she is, her personality, and her feelings for Vision. I get that. They're developing her. But Black Widow, I think they've just ruined her. And if we finally get some strong female characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would be pleased as punch. <laughs> well, I have no doubt that those characters, like the bodyguards, are going to kick some ass. Oh, they're going to be awesome. I'm so excited. Andy, you got anything to add? Because I think Becky was like really, really gushing for a while there. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm going to stop gushing and let you guys talk to them. <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to ask if... Uh... If you think um, the Winter Soldier is going to be in this, and that might be part of the plot point, if we are going to see any other cameos from any of the uh, other MCU superheroes, I, I, you know, I sort of suggested that maybe somebody's coming after Winter Soldier, but I really kind of hope he's not part of the plot. I think that kind of defeats the purpose that that suddenly there's, a, you know, people coming after this outside force, and it's not really about Black Panther; it's about this other guy that they just sort of took into to hide him yeah I agree. um but you figure winter soldier might have to be there at some point or at least like maybe that's an end credit scene that they let him out kind of yeah, i mean civil war kind of ends with like captain america almost making wakanda his base kind yeah kind of yeah. so do you think we'll see like a steve rogers cameo or um who did he take with him uh falcon and uh hawkeye I think he, well, he busted out everybody that was in prison, right? So that was like Ant-Man, Hawkeye, Falcon. I could uh, see them maybe in an end credit scene. That's the only that's way I'd accept or, it. Or even, or even like Black Panther just kind of walking in 
like saying, oh, this, that, and the other thing. And they're like, oh, hey, we're doing this. Uh, see, <laughs> see you good later. Have fun, you know. Kind of I, I want to I see them doing, if I do see them, they better be doing something incredibly mundane. Like Thor right. living with that IT guy in Australia. <laughs> like, they better be playing, like, Call of Duty. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, something stupid. Or playing Dungeons and Dragons because they're hiding out. Um, well, here's the other thing, too, is that... I could totally see... Um, <laughs> Paul Rudd being the doctor. <laughs> oh, I can't. <laughs> well, here's sorry, Brian, didn't mean no, to no, that. no. Here's it, just one point I was going to make is that I, this has to be. I would think you'd have to see Winter Soldier at some point, probably near the end, because this is the last movie we get before Infinity War. Is Winter Soldier going to be part of Infinity War? I would assume so. I think he's cast. I mean, I, mean, I feel like everybody's going to be in there. If you are part of the MCU and you are paying some sort of a hero or villain, you will probably be in there. Unless you're one of the villains that died. Well, that's true. Point taken. Point taken. <laughs> but, yeah, so I like Black Panther would be the one to sort of set up Infinity War if it needs to be. I don't know how much they're going to leave for Infinity War. Like, if, if Winter Soldier is in Infinity War, you could go into Infinity War and some point during the course of that movie in the first act, they go release Winter Soldier. Or if you want to lead in for Infinity War, you, you release Winter Soldier at the end of Black Panther, depending on how they want to spin it. So this is the last movie before the Infinity War, isn't it? Yeah, this is Black Panther's February of 2018. Infinity War is May of 2018. Okay. So, so this is a pretty integral part of their whole third phase? Yes. Well, here's the other like question, Doc- too. Doctor Do- Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy are the only other two? Uh, we're getting Thor in November, too. That's mm-hmm. right, Thor. Ragnarok. So we have Thor in this movie where we could possibly see an Infinity Stone. Do we think that could show up in Black Panther? Or do you think it's just too obvious that it's going to be in Thor? Uh, I don't know. I I really still think it's going to be in Thor. I mean, how else does hell destroy Mjolnir? I mean, Mjolnir. Mjolnir! (laughs) I have to agree with him. I, I think it's just too obvious. Now, that being said, of all the places to hide an Infinity Stone, Wakanda's perfect. It would be a good place yeah. to hide it. But I mean, maybe they get a lot of their technological advances from studying the stones. That so was that an could idea. be another yeah. thing, too. Um, if you look at what like Red Skull did with the cube to power a bunch of weapons and technology, Wakanda could use that from a cube, too. Or I don't know if that's part of the comics at all. Nothing it's, probably no, not, no. No, uh, most of their economy centers around um, exporting and or protecting and developing vibranium. Because okay. vibranium, what Captain America's shield is made from, is uh, is all in Wakanda. Plus, you got to figure too. If if you find out that an Infinity Stone is what's causing their technological advancement, that kind of takes away from the Wakandan people a little bit. Yeah, I I completely agree with that, honestly. And I think that's and I've I've had a lot of black friends just so stoked about this. I mean, we're three white people talking about this, but I think we can't <laughs> ignore. The importance, much like Wonder Woman is important to me, um, Black Panther is important to the black community, very much so. Right. And they are just so stoked. And, and not just, because you're finally, how many times have you seen African villages kind of showing underdeveloped African villages from everything from Ace Ventura 2 to even <laughs> like scenes uh, in, in some of the Avengers, um, like, you know, broken down African cultures. Um, yeah. But now we have this strong you know, united, diverse, equal society. Well, partially equal. They've got some slaves. Uh, like I said, <laughs> there, there's a part of the diversity. Well, most of their slaves are prisoners. But again, we don't know that from this movie. Right, right. Um, but women are equal. I mean, it's a very 
very advanced, technologically advanced and vibrant society. So that is a, a huge, you know, this is a big deal to the black community. I think we can't ignore that. Um, and I think that the Infinity Stone being the one cause of their development, I completely agree with you, uh, Brian, that that would take away from their self-development. Um, so I hope that the Infinity Stone, I think that we should just go with the obvious here and just say it's with Thor. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> a, that's a safe bet. Yeah. We'll find out in November. Indeed. Uh, anything to add? Uh, final thoughts for Black Panther trailer. We'll move on. I thought that the music was pretty fitting for the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that I, I don't think I would probably have liked that song as much if I had just heard it on the radio instead of like having it played with all the coolness that was happening yeah. on the screen. You know, I was kind of like, yeah. oh, you know, <laughs> you can't see it listening to the podcast, but he's definitely no, jamming no. over there. I was, I was, yeah, I was bobbing my head, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I thought they chose the, uh, and I think that uh, that's. Uh, it's a good art to have is uh, pairing your trailers with songs that fit. Yes. And I thought they did a good job with that. We're looking at you. Uh, what, the, what the hell? What, Becky, what the hell was that trailer? The, the oh, murder, from... murder on the Oriental Express or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God damn. That music that... choice was terrible. <laughs> what was it? Imagine Dragons? Yeah. The Imagine Dragons song Believer which just or something does like that. not fit. And they may, as I sh- sent to you via several Facebook posts, there were several alternatives from, you know, Katy Perry to, oh, anything else that would have been more apropos. <laughs> I think the uh, the Austin Powers theme song is still one of my favorites. <laughs> I, I completely agree. <laughs> but um, uh, my last thought is that I think Marvel is finally propping up, again, I hate to push this, but the women... Uh, the Dora Milaje guard is very important. You've got Nakia. You've got um, Ramonda, who's um, T'Challa's stepmother. She's uh, uh, the Queen Mother Wakanda. Apparently, you know, she's in this movie. And her Black Panther's sister, Shuri, um, she's in this movie, too. And I really, really hope they give them, like... And I can't see that they wouldn't. Especially, you know, given the backlash that they've received from, from Black Widow and what we've had the positive reinforcement we've seen from wonder woman giving these female characters real strong character development and backstories and powers. And and I'm, I I don't know. I'm gushing, but I could, cause I've reason to. (laughs) So, um, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right. So we'll move on to Sony's news, which they just, every chance they get, they're talking about Spider-Man. They, they still, technically own spider-man even though marvel made this movie but any chance they get let's let's talk about spider-man so uh while promoting spider-man homecoming amy pascal who works for sony and is a producer on spider-man homecoming was asked about this venom spin-off movie that they're talking about which cast tom hardy and if it connects to the mcu she answered that venom and the black cat silver sable movie that they're trying to make are quote-unquote adjuncts to the mcu basically saying that they're sort of connected to the MCU, but, like, in a peripheral way. And Kevin Feige was present, sitting next to her during this interview. So if you've seen the the sad Feige or confused Feige memes, uh, yeah, his reaction... Is my own friend. Yeah, his reaction is priceless, <laughs> because he gives this look like he's completely confused and has no idea what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> and, and I love it, because that's basically all of our reactions, because everything we've heard 
is that the Sony stuff is separate from the MCU, and now someone at Sony is saying, well, we sort of kind of are part of it. Like, they just want to jump on the bandwagon. Um, and sort of going along with that, in a Hollywood Reporter article, uh, which I think I linked on the Facebook page, so it might be in there, you might have to dig a little bit. Uh, they talk about how the Spider-Man deal happened between Marvel and Sony. They talk a little bit about Sony's plans moving forward. So the article mentions the Venom movie starring Tom Hardy, which we knew about. But it also mentions that the villain of the movie is going to be Carnage, which is the first I've heard of that news. Yeah. And a little bit into the, to the article, they also mention Black Cat, Silver Sable. And then they also mention that Sony is trying to move forward on a movies for Craven the Hunter and Mysterio, which is also new to me. So No, wait. Forgive me, let me clarify something, because I'm a little Spider-Man out, Yep. to be honest. Um, are we talking about the Venom movie, or are we talking about Spider-Man Homecoming, or both? Uh, this I mean, this is all from promotion from Spider-Man Homecoming, so Spider-Man okay, Homecoming okay. is its own thing. Right, right. We're and the Venom movie is its own thing. Yeah, we're specifically talking about, because Sony is trying to make their own like Spider-Man shared universe without Spider-Man, essentially, which mm-hmm. is where Venom is going to fall, this Black Cat Silver Sable movie. And now, apparently, they want to do Craven the Hunter and Mysterio. Uh, separately or in the same movie? I think separately. I think they each want to be their own movies. Can those characters carry full movies? I don't think so. Especially not I without mean, Spider-Man. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I could see Venom. I mean, he's kind of got his own, own world to sort of play in a little bit. But it's just based on, like, you know, Maximum Carnage and... Well, we've talked about in the past. Symbiote, like, how do you... stuff. How do you start but, a Venom movie without Spider-Man? Which is exactly what I said when you first posted this, like, yeah. what, three months ago? And I said, oh, no. Which is, I feel like everyone's reaction, and yet Sony's like, nope, we're moving forward. Didn't they learn anything from Amazing Spider-Man 2 when they tried to make a Sinister Six movie immediately afterwards? Like, this sounds like the same fucking thing. Yeah. Learn nothing. I, so, I... as soon as Spider-Man becomes viable again, Sony's right back where they left off, trying to milk this thing for all that it's worth, and I really kind of hope they crash and burn. I'm... I don't know. I'm I'm hearing. So I actually have a friend who is a production assistant on this movie, and I told him wait, wait, flat which, out which movie? Homecoming. Okay. Uh, he says you know he's really proud of it because they're trying to make a movie where Spider-Man is 15 and he makes a lot of mistakes. And oh yeah, he's from Queens. It's not going to be all white guys in a, a high school in Queens for once. You actually get diversity in a Spider-Man movie because that's where he grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he says he's pretty proud of it. Um, I'm just, I, I'm Spider-Manned out. I'm so sick of, I'm not sick of Spider-Man movies, but I'm sick of terrible Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I guess that's um, more the point. Because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of with you. Like, I understand that we've had Spider-Man overload the past 15 years or so. Yeah. Mainly because of Sony. Um, but Spider-Man being in the MCU, I think gives it a nice breath of life. Like, just looking it at does. it from a different perspective. I'm totally stoked for Homecoming. I think that looks awesome. Early reviews mm. that I've seen, they everybody loves it. So I'm really right. now really excited. He but, so my friend is very proud of it. I guess I I don't know. I guess I'm still a little butt hurt that we get like a thousand Spider-Man movies, but you can't give one female fucking character in the MCU her own movie. Were really? you excited for the Black Cat and Silver Sable movie that Sony wants to make then? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because I don't like these side villain movies. Yeah, which is, I think, more to the point, and one I feel like it's a question we ask all the time is, what are these movies going to be without Spider-Man? 
like Mysterio and Craven are two villains I would love to see in a proper Spider-Man movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, they haven't been done on film before. Yes, but not their own. Right. Their own movies. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be interested in seeing Doc Ock in his own movie. Yeah. I I like Doc Ock the character. I like how he grows and kind of feels guilty and he's an actual villain with a story with a character arc. But I don't you need Spider-Man and his relationship with Spider-Man to develop that character arc. So yeah, no. I'm not yeah. excited about these side movies yeah. because I That's I, what makes a lot of the villains in the Spider-Man universe so awesome is their their interactions with Spider-Man. Well, let me ask you guys this cuz I we we have no idea what Sony's going to what their plan is, what cuz it gets kind of confusing with the maybe I'll start here. It's it gets kind of confusing with the deal between Marvel and Sony. So they technically both can use Spider-Man characters. But what happens if they try? Are, are they allowed to use the same character on both sides? Like one in Sony's shared universe and use them the same character again, but different in the MCU, or is it one or the other? Like if Sony lays claim to Craven and Mysterio, does that mean we will never see them in the MCU? Hmm. Are they just doing this just because, like, fuck you, Marvel? We we still have Sony, and we're going to prove it. I think so. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sony does what it wants. They don't, and they, what's worse, and this is why I get mad at Sony, they don't give two shits if their movie's bad. They only care if they make money. Well, they're losing money, which is why they're really reaching for this stuff. But their, their film division but sucks right now. But this is what I don't understand. Should you be reaching when you're losing money? That's the, my problem. You shouldn't be reaching when you're losing money. Ah, uh, this might work. <laughs> well, this Maybe is, I think. Should- Sony's problem is that they don't have a good franchise anymore. Like, yeah. The only thing they have that's sort of bankable right now is the Spider-Man franchise. Now, they can't use Spider-Man because Spider-Man's in the MCU, MCU. But they can use all these characters associated with Spider-Man. Like, well, here's a, okay, here's a, here's a follow-up question. If, if Sony is trying to set up their own shared universe, do you think it's possible that they're going to set up Venom to be the anti-hero of that universe and battle all the, vil- all the villains that they're trying to set up? Or could we get, like, Miles Morales Spider-Man? And have Peter Parker be in the MCU, but Sony has models. Oh, that's that's an interesting take on it. Yeah, uh, they could do that pretty easily. They could, yeah. However, I... if they did that, I feel like that's something they should lead with. Start with Miles Morales Spider-Man movie and go from there. I'm like, if they if they want to do Miles Morales, I don't know why they're not talking about that already because I feel like that would get people excited. Venom's got people excited, sure, but I, I see no excitement for Black Cat, Silver Sable, or Craven or Mysterio. I'm still surprised people are excited for Venom. I I don't I don't know. I I guess I'd have to see the first one to be sure, because let me ask you a question. Besides uh Alien vs. Predator, have you seen a successful villain versus villain movie? Not off the top of my head. Because I can only think of that one and then, like, Freddy vs. Jason. Freddy vs. Yeah. That was the other one I was going to mention. Um, I don't I don't know. Yeah, because I don't... Well, I think the problem is if, if they're making movies about villains, so if we get a Kraven the Hunter movie, you have to almost make him the guy you're rooting for. Are you going to be able to do that if he's the villain? I mean, don't get me wrong. There's lots of villains I root for. But... Okay. Like the sea witch in uh, the Little Mermaid, for example, she's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, she has the best musical number ever. 
Uh, there's other villains that where you think about and you're like, huh, they have a point. And by the way, our our um, protagonist is kind of an idiot. <laughs> um, but a villain versus villain movie is difficult. Do you set one up as sympathetic and the other one as unsympathetic? Is one right. more evil than the other? Does one have is doing bad th- is like the um what do you call it a vigilante and then the other one's just a bad guy? Yeah. I I don't know. This 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 is another speculation thing. I have to see it. And if this crashes, then no one I mean if the Venom movie crashes, which is the big lead off, the one that people are actually excited or moderately excited to see, right. who in the hell is going to see the other ones? Yeah. Well, that's that's the bigger thing. How many movies is Sony going to try to make before they realize nope, this isn't working? Back to the drawing board. I think that's what Sony needs, to be honest. I think they need to crash start. and restart. Yeah, start from the ground up. Disney's well, the problem is it. they they sort of already did that with the the the, the, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man movies. They didn't make as much money. They crashed and burned, which caused them to make the deal with Marvel. Like that was supposed to be their wake-up call, and then Marvel fixed it for them. Well, or at least we're assuming because the, the only movie that's under their belt now is Civil War that has Spider-Man for a little bit. So we haven't even seen a full Spider-Man movie. That's what we got Homecoming for. But, again, all early reviews are saying that movie's going to be fantastic. So, effectively, Marvel has fixed Spider-Man for Sony. Cool. Which, I say it all the time, which is why I hate this deal. Because it doesn't... I don't feel like it benefits anybody. No. In a couple years, they're going to be right back to where they were. With Spider-Man being oversaturated. No one wants to see it. And yet, Marvel's going to be the one trying to push it out and make movies, and Sony's still trying to do their own thing, so you're going to have twice as many Spider-Man stuff going around. Yeah. And that's my big problem with it. Besides me being upset about, you know, no females getting their own, you know, movie and Spider-Man getting a thousand. (laughs) So, and I know that's partly due to the Sony deal, but I I don't know. At some point, you just have to give up. But... I, I, I will say that even though I'm Spider-Man out, I, I do, I've heard good things about the, the one that's coming out on what, July 7th? Is the new yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will go see it. Or, you know, completely legally stream it. Um, <laughs> I, I just, as, as I told you guys before, I hate going to the theater. <laughs> you also uh, said you'd have to see it with us, so we'll have to plan to go see Spider-Man. Yes, yes, I will see it with you guys. <laughs> Um, but again, I, I don't know. I, and, and by the way, what I meant with Sony rebooting was not rebooting the Spider-Man. I'm, I'm talking about completely failing and restarting with a new, fresh take on film. That's what I meant. I'm talking about, okay, Spider-Man is clearly not working. He, he's, we've done everything we can with this damn character. Um, so we need to get another franchise. We, we need to try something new. Look, Disney, remember, Disney did this in the 80s. They had flops from the 70s to the 80s. They had nothing good until the new renaissance. Yeah. And that's when they started, you know, that's when they really started coming back. Sony can do the same thing. Yeah, the only franchise I know that Sony is trying to kick off the ground besides the Spider-Man stuff is they're finally trying to move forward on an Uncharted movie. Which right. they nabbed Tom Holland for. So it's like, well, we can't have Spider-Man, but we can take your actor... Fuck you again, Marvel. Dude. <laughs> all this stuff hurts my head. It's all oh. political bullshit with these studio systems. Oh, I forgot to tell you something really important. Just forgive me for a second. And let <laughs> me say this time. let me say this one thing. It has nothing to do with Spider Man. I hope that we see Storm sometime with Black Panther. 
Just putting it out there. I forgot. I can't believe I forgot to tell you guys that. You know she marries Black Panther in the books. I did know that actually. Now that she you bring becomes it up. queen of Wakanda, and I, I, it would you know I just want to see her sometime, and I'd love for them even even as a buddy cop kind of relationship, <laughs> um, just as a nod to the books because you know she's from Kenya, she's not from Wakanda, but and I'm sorry that I got off track. We can go back to Spider Man, but I I forgot to say that, and there we go. Honestly, that's probably good enough segue as any to go to talk about X Men. Yeah, X Men. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I uh, should have waited. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Now, Andy, you got anything real quick to add for Spider-Man, or we'll just go to X-Men? Uh, the only thing I was going to say was um, I, I they would have to turn Venom into a hero in the Venom movie if they're going to have a carnage. So yeah. it wouldn't necessarily be villain versus villain. Because, I mean, I I think in comic books nowadays, Venom is a hero. I feel like he's been, he goes back and forth with a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's kind of like a Deadpool-ish. But you could definitely character. make Eddie Brock a sympathetic character that you sort of want to root for. Right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, because he comes from that kind of beginning. He, you know, but so does Doc Ock. I mean, so does some, a lot of these villains. Yeah, they're all the fall from grace type stories. Oh, God. So I don't, I don't know if Eddie Brock was ever really graceful. Yeah, no. He, wasn't he just a spoiled guy? He, he was always kind of, I always pictured him as just like really down, like nothing good ever happens to Eddie Brock. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you're right. Um, so maybe you feel pity for him and not necessarily try to get him to be the good guy. I don't know. <sighs> so this is another wait and see. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it ten more times before Venom comes out because <laughs> Sony's always talking about their shit all the time. They're real excited about it. We'll see if we are. Um, uh, just just a quick thing though. It's uh, Sony Films. Do they do end credit scenes? So like after this sp- uh, Spider-Man movie. Do you think we'll get an end credit scene about Venom? Well, here's the thing: is that Spider-Man: Homecoming is MCU, Venom oh, is going right, to be Sony's right. shared universe. So, god damn it! <laughs> yeah, it's believe me, you're not the only one that's confused. Most people are confused. I'm confused. The whole freaking interview with Sad Feige got me confused because he didn't come right out and bitch slap Amy Pascal and said, "What the fuck are you talking about?" So I don't know what he's thinking. I'm sure they had a real good conversation behind closed doors with a lot of punches. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> right in the middle of the press tour, Feige and Amy Pascal get into a pre- into a fist fight. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Alright, uh moving on to Fox, who is moving forward on the X Men franchise. Uh Deadpool two is happening, uh New Mutants movie is happening, there's been rumblings of an X Force movie happening. All of those are spin offs sort of from the main X Men movies. After the not too well received X Men Apocalypse, it was unclear whether or not we'd get another X Men movie. Especially since Jennifer Lawrence, Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy, and Nicholas Holt all satisfied their three movie contracts with Apocalypse. So it was unclear if they'd even get any of them back for another one. Uh, so we did get an announcement that the X-Men movies are continuing with X-Men Dark Phoenix, which is moving forward. Fox was able to secure Lawrence, Fassbender, McAvoy, and Holt for another movie. So I would imagine this is going to be their last one. Uh, one person that is not returning is director Brian Singer who is passing the torch to producer and writer Simon Kinberg. And this will be Kinberg's directorial debut. So that has a big movie to start with. Uh, I'm okay with that. The director choice? Yeah. Okay. I think we need a fresh take on X-Men. Thanos stupid. <laughs> Brian Singer is really hit or miss, man. I, I thought I hated Apocalypse. And I like X-Men. I... 
I loved the first two. Um, I like Days of Futures Past. I like First Class. Mm-hmm. Um, first Class, I think, is really underrated. I really, really like that movie. I loved First yeah, Class. Yeah, there's not a lot to hate about that movie. So, uh, I mean, aside from the whole like convoluted X Men timeline, that shit does not match up if you're paying attention to shit. That irritates the fuck out of me. But if you just watch it by alone, itself, if, if you forget about the Right. Stupid X Men timeline, X Men Three, fuck you stuff. <laughs> uh, I mean, X Men First Class was a good movie. Yeah, on its own standalone yeah. movie is really really solid. Um, two things. One, Sophie Turner's coming back for her Jean Grey role. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you said that in the list of people who are returning because they're the people that had three movie contract, three three movie. Right. Yeah, I was there. mentioning the guys from First Class that did First Class, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. I am really floored that Jennifer Lawrence is coming back. As in floored good way or bad way? No, good way. I love Jennifer Lawrence, but I'm just, I guess I'm kind of confused because she hates the makeup and I'm assuming she's going to be out of makeup for some of this because she hated it so much uh, that she, you know, bargained with her contract to make more of Apocalypse out of makeup. Um, I mean, that has to be the case for um, Dark Phoenix. I, I, I don't know. I love the Dark Phoenix. I love that... <sighs> We've said this before on my other podcast. People love 90s, 90s X-Men. Yeah, they yes. love 90s X-Men. Give us 90s X-Men. <laughs> That's all we want, Brian Singer. But you're gone now. So we can turn to the other new director. New director, we want 90s X-Men. Well, technically, so... <laughs> this is supposed to take place in the 90s. Exactly! So Which is this what could people be have been... Yeah, and, and we, well, we've seen the um, the '90s X Men suits. So yeah, we get the costumes um, at the end of Apocalypse, which was uh, yeah. the best reveal of the movie. Exactly, the the only real good thing of the movie. Yeah, we Although, get the danger room and the costumes right at the end. Right. Although I do like the acting. I, I well, that, well, okay. I am not counting Thanos. Thanos is stupid. I'm sorry. I've always felt that way. Are you mistakenly way, but... calling him Thanos, or are you actually are you trying to make a dig at him? Apocalypse dig. was the Okay. Dig. All right. Apocalypse. Apocalypse looks like a combination of Thanos and uh, what's this guy named Craig for from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I can he's see that. We will also accept Ivan Ooze. Yeah, he's supposed to be, and I, I call him <laughs> Thanos because he's a dumb color. He's supposed to be this all-powerful character. He's not. I'm sure you've had. I sure. I'm sure you've had this conversation during your Apocalypse show. So I don't want to rehash it, but aside from him and the stupid character, um, I mean, Fassbender, Lawrence, Nicholas Holt, they're all great actors, and I mm-hmm. love their portrayals. And even the new kids, um, the kids who are playing Storm and Cyclops and Nightcrawler and, and Sophie Turner. I think Sophie Turner did a good job as Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sla- Jean Grey, sorry. S- same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, the only thing I don't like is that... that- Lawrence, because now she's a big star, they put Mystique front and center for these movies, where Mystique does not need to be front and center. No, she does I not. I would not be surprised if they make Phoenix, like Mystique the Dark Phoenix in this movie, just because it's fucking Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. Phoenix That's, Force is an alien force. So. Right, I don't think they'll go that far. I'm just saying that she's that popular. They would, if, they, if she wants a starring role, let's just make her the Dark Phoenix. Um, I've heard that... Uh, Leandra is supposed to be the villain for this movie. She's yes. an alien empress, which would match up with the Phoenix Force, but we don't know. And um, Apocalypse was in 1983, 
So this being 1993, 10 years after, um, again, this is exactly what people want. And with a new director and a fresh take, I have high hopes for this. But I, damn it, every time I have high hopes for something, something happens. <laughs> I'm just yep. going to set it, be like, okay, we'll see what happens. Instead especially of saying these, that I have high hopes for it. Especially these X-Men movies, I think it's better to just to go in low expectations, and then if you're surprised, you're surprised. And nice. yeah, what you so, mentioned, I think they're they're looking at Jessica Chastain for Lilandra. That's what I was just right. gonna mention. Yeah. yeah, she's the one so, from Miss Sloan, right? Ye- she's a Miss Sloan. Yes, okay. I didn't see that one, but I think I I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um. So do you, if we get Leandra, do we get the Gladiator and that whole? Yeah, she's part of what the the, the Shi'ar, Shi'ar, right? The Shi'ar, yeah. yeah. The alien, which are aliens, yeah. I, isn't, the, isn't Gladiator kind of like her protector? I remember Leander? him in the. I remember Gladiator in the, in the cartoon, like the Dark Phoenix saga from the '90s cartoon. I remember that, mm-hmm. and I remember Gladiator right. being there because they had to fight him. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember what role he plays in the Shi'ar. Yeah, I mean, right. you might be right. I'm not disputing. I just don't know for sure. I I I've heard nothing about the villain except for uh, Jessica Chastain. So yeah. Um, and I, I'm okay with keeping it a mystery. And I also wouldn't be against seeing more 90s, uh, you know, characters. Bring in Gambit! Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> Bring that in Jubilee! I'm fine with it. <laughs> no, fuck that! <laughs> Jubilee's you know been in, like, three X-Men movies already, and they never keep her around, and they recast her and put her in different <laughs> yeah, time periods. She's in do... the fucking X-Men 2 movie, and then she's in fucking Apocalypse. Let me put it this Same way. character, 30 years apart. All right. What the fuck? Jubilee does not fit in the 1970s. She doesn't fit in the 1980s. You know what she does fit? 1993. She's a mall rat. Yep. Just putting it out there. Because I want my 90s X-Men, damn it. <laughs> and yeah, she's awesome in Danger Room. I want to see some <laughs> yeah. costumes. Yeah. How awesome would it be to get the uh, animated series music? Oh, my God. Yes. That was my ringtone for a long time. Why did you change it? <laughs> uh, because I switched my phone and I forgot where I put the MP3. <laughs> that's a that's a fair excuse. Yeah, it was Doctor Who for a while, the the original Theremin one, and then I just I, I you know what I I don't know about you guys, but I never have my phone on. It's always on vibrate. Right. Yeah. So I like that too. For me, it was no point to like going through the trouble of putting it back on because it's ninety nine percent on vibrate. So. Yeah, older older phones that I had, I would leave the sound on. I used to have the uh, like the proton <laughs> pack ignition for a text oh, message. Nice. <laughs> that was the best thing ever for a while. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, what oh. was I gonna ask? Um, when is this movie coming out? Oh, November that's right. Yeah, November. Yes. Okay. So that to me that seemed so, really soon. So they're still in pre-production at this point. They definitely haven't started shooting yet, so some sort of some form of pre-production. So when is okay? What is our next movie? Is it is Deadpool? Does Deadpool two or New Mutants come out before this movie, or does this movie come out before Deadpool two? Uh, I, I I would assume that Deadpool two would come out first because we've already seen like a teaser for it. Oh, that's right, that's right. I have not seen the teaser yet. Um, Sorry, but I didn't. I didn't think the New Mutants even really had a cast yet. So Deadpool this one might two be... is scheduled for June first, twenty eighteen. So that would be summer before mm-hmm. Dark Phoenix. 
Okay. New Mutants. That's got to be after. Uh, it's got to be after this. April thirteenth, twenty eighteen. Really? Oh wow! Really? really? I'm surprised by that. According to IMDb. Have, have you guys seen anything? I yeah, I, I thought that. I didn't know that was that. Yeah, I didn't realize that was that far along. I I no. think I've heard some cast, but not everyone. I'm really surprised by this. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to Deadpool two, but I get scared. Because Deadpool 2 really changed perception of comic book movies for a lot of people. I mean, it's the only comic book movie that I got my sister to watch and enjoy. <laughs> um, I always get worried about these sequels because, yeah, of course there was going to be a sequel. There, there had to be. But how far can you take the jokes? Yeah. Uh, Deadpool wasn't... A lot of people are like, oh, Deadpool's this big character. He's not. He's kind of like a foil to a lot of the characters. He's just a pain in the ass. Um, he's a joke. He's ca- All right, and this is this is where your earlier point com- comes back to play. Sometimes you can have, like, a, a, a comedic break or, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, comedic relief in a film or a comic book, even. But having an all-comedy movie is different. And I think Deadpool, the movie, balanced that really, really well. Yeah. But I I wonder how far they can take it. Yeah. Is it the same is it the same director? Different director. No, no Tim Miller they left it that was another one that left over creative differences. Oh boy. Um I think it's been a while since we talked about it, but I think they got somebody that did uh the John Wick movies, right? One of the yeah. co directors of the say John that's correct. Wick. I like and John what Wick. they they chose Brolin as Cable. Yes, yeah. Josh Brolin is playing Thanos and going over to play Cable. Fuck Thanos. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Um, that's interesting. I like Cable. I know. I mean, there was the end credit joke about Cable, which um, basically mean they had to put him in there. Once oh, of they course. made mention of him. I was really hoping they, because they made the the joke about having Kira Knightley play Cable. Yeah. <laughs> so I really want Kira Knightley just to show up in costume as Cable, just to do the joke and then let her go away. Oh, I hope they do that. I re- And this is the perfect movie to do that. Yeah. I mean, you remember all the jokes about Green Lantern and all that stuff. Right, yeah. Um, this yeah they is can where... totally get away with that. Oh, they, they can, because Deadpool is, is parody. That's what he is. I, I mean, I don't know. These again. These are all so far ahead that I can't, and I'm really surprised about that new mutants release date. Yeah, yeah I had yeah, no I'd idea that was that quick. Shocked. Because huh. I thought this X Men movie was moving pretty quick, but I didn't realize New Mutants was, you know, that early next year. I really want to use that, the nineties. This ball. is even the New Mutants is even going to be before Deadpool. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Have, new, mutants, there... new Mutants in April, Deadpool in June, X Men in November. Have you guys have you guys seen a teaser for that? No, no nothing. That's that's why I'm like shocked. Uh, I feel like that's something we would have talked about. Yeah, it just even came out. If it was just a little barb. It came out in May. The but teaser? I, it says New Mutants teaser trailer twenty Yeah, for twenty eighteen. Oh, it's an, an it. it's an animatic. Yeah, um, okay. Uh yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's weird. Oh, is it an animated movie? No, it's live action. It's live action. That's what I was thinking. Oh, your girl, it's not confirmed yet, but uh, your girl Rosario Dawson is rumored to be in there. Oh. You like Rosario Dawson? I do. 
They have a few other people as cast. They have they have Magic cast. They have Wolfbane cast. Cannonball cast. Mirage. Sunspot. Oh, Bradley's gonna be pumped about Magic. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they'll put Colossus in there if Magic's in there, even just as a cameo. Doesn't Colossus belong to the X Men? Though I mean, it's all under Fox. Fox oh, Fox all right, has all these. Enough. Yeah, it's not like a Sony, like, uh, Spider-Man clusterfuck. Right, right. Um, huh. This is really interesting. So we got a lot more X-Men movies coming than I thought. I want to hear the theme song. Hey, they did it with that mediocre Power Rangers movie. We can hear, <laughs> we can, we, they can at least weave in a type of the 90s, you know, the theme song. Yeah. Just, just even, even if, like, a guy's listening to it on a Walkman. Like, oh, this new song came out. Oh, you know, just as a nod. Because this is, I mean, we are the millennial, uh, I hate using, we are the Oregon Trail, like, um, <laughs> we are the Oregon Trail, uh, you know, group of a- age group, uh, in between Gen X and millennials, and we love X-Men from the 90s. Alright, so here's an idea. Just because I sort of, I'm thinking like how Logan showed X-Men comics in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Since... This timeline that they set up from Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, like, mutants have to be, like, out there, right? Everybody has to know about mutants now, because they've had some pretty weird fucking big shit happen in those movies. So what if they flip on the television, and it's like, oh, look, someone made a cartoon about us, and they show the 90s cartoon introduction. (laughs) That would be wonderful. I feel like that's more suited for Deadpool, but since they put (laughs) X-Men comics in a Wolverine movie, I think they could probably pull that off. They gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure it'll come out as a video edit a week after the release of the film. Yeah. You know. <laughs> no, I mean as long I mean the suits the suits at the end of Apocalypse um gave us some um, a nod to the nineties like costumes that we love. So maybe maybe they'll treat us more. I, I would love to see more, you know. Of a nod to the animated series. I mean, you think about when X-Men started in 2000s, it was very, like, anti-comic book. Like, let's do leather suits and, and, like, not look like spandex and stuff. I mean, they even make a joke about the spandex and stuff. Um, But since then, we've had this resurgence of comic book movies where they're trying to bring the page to life. Costumes, everything. So X-Men seems like they're starting to finally come around to that idea and have these characters wear their comic book costumes. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, fingers crossed they finally go full-blown for that in this movie. Right. Because just think about, like, you could see Jean Grey in the Phoenix uniform. Mm-hmm. Like, that How could be awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. That would be awesome, and I'd be very happy about it. And, I don't know. I I know that, it's funny, because Olivia Munn was very adamant, because she's a comic book fan, too. Mm-hmm. She was very, very adamant that her Psylocke costume in Apocalypse was comic book, you know, completely to the to the material. She regretted it later, by the way, <laughs> because wearing it was difficult. I'm but sure. I, I'll give her credit for sticking with it. Um, but, you know, the X-Men 90s costumes are a lot less difficult. Yeah. It, well, that be, it, the, the, the protagonist costumes are a lot less difficult. Some <laughs> of the, some of the villains, eh, not so much. <laughs> um, I, you know, we touched on this before. I'd really like to see more villains. If it's just gonna be the, uh, with the Shira, the alien race. Uh, sorry, I have a head. The, um, what, Shi'ar? Shiar, thank you. The alien race, uh, that'd be interesting, but if we're getting, if this is 1993 X-Men, 
in the comics, doesn't I, I? I I'm trying to remember. Doesn't Leandra end up being one of their allies? They go and back like, and ends forth. up being friends with Professor X. Her and Xavier like get it on mentally or something, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they do. And also, I mean, you but you got to remember during the '90s, X Men, both in comic book and in the show, everyone goes back and forth from um, Mystique because Mystique brought up Rogue. Remember. Right, right, uh, yeah. And you've also got uh, the the White Queen, and she goes back and forth. She joins the X Force for a bit. Um, you've got, a, and especially a lot of the female villains who join the X Men, um, and go back and forth between them and Magneto. So yeah, it that happens a lot, especially in the nineties. So maybe we'll see some of that in the movie. I don't know. <laughs> Keep us on our toes. I mean, they've already established that Mystique, because the Mystique, um... I don't know what the, side she's on anymore. She, yeah, I can't tell. she's on her own side, and I'm okay with that. You know, in the first movie, in, in First Class, she grew up with um, Professor X, and of course they were like brother and sister, which did not happen in the comic books. In the second, she joins Michael Fassbender slash Magneto, and then in the third one, she's kind of her own chick. Yeah. Um, actually, in, in the second half of the second film, she's kind of her own chick. And that's kind of how, who Mystique is. So. Uh, true, yeah. Uh, but. I don't know. There's. There's so many villains that go back and forth, it's, it's too hard to count. Yeah, I guess I always just saw her as part of the Brotherhood. Yeah, but, but again, even in the animated series where Mystique had the skull, <laughs> uh, on her head and her, her, dress she still was very protective of rogue because she brought her up yeah so in the comics didn't she uh wasn't domino one of like the x-force or x-factor yes there a domino character that was mystique for a very long time before the actual domino showed up i thought domino was the second one i know mystique had the earliest ever comic book lesbian relationship that was at least hinted at oh (laughs) um she was an alien too. Um, <laughs> she was blind, uh, but I don't—I don't remember that about Domino. I'm sorry. Hmm. <sighs> Pulling stuff out of your ass now, Andy. I, it might be I'm, completely full of shit. Yeah. He, he might be right. I just—I don't know that. I don't know that much about Domino. I'm sorry. It's okay to give Andy a hard time. You're allowed. We we do it all the time here. <laughs> no, I've already ranted on about uh, freaking. Uh, Black Panther. I'm not even sure it, any of my gushing made any coherent sense. <laughs> so I can't make fun of anybody else. <laughs> we'll review the tape. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, when, and, and you know what? I'm really sorry about this because sometimes when I get excited about something I just don't make any sense. I hey, sound that's like whole... We all do it. That's, that's why we're here because we're all excited about this shit. I'm not going to yeah. stop you. Yeah. Um, Destiny. Destiny is who I was thinking about, by the way. Destiny is Mystique's lesbian blind uh, okay. mutant one of the few people that really Mystique loved in, in the comp, like, loved that wasn't a, a, a child character. Um, okay, gotcha. And I've always kind of wanted Destiny to be put in a movie, but they're still not at that point. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. People were really pissed about a semi-gay character in the new Beauty and the Beast. Do you think they're going <laughs> to be okay with a gay character? I, I don't know. I, um, she was, Legion takes her out. Oh, I bet you she'll be in Legion. What, Destiny? Yeah, Destiny and Legion are enemies, so... Oh, okay. If Legion continues. Have you guys talked about Legion at all? 
Uh, I think we mentioned uh, it briefly. Andy was trying to get through briefly. it. I think I was the I one that finished it. I still need time. to watch. I think like the last two episodes. It's kind of difficult to get through. It's it's really actually, weird enough that it's like yeah, it's a little bit difficult. But I fucking loved it. I thought it was awesome. Oh, I love it. It's just compared to the more digestible, you know, Marvel characters that we're given, it's more cerebral. I think. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's Legion. It's supposed to be cerebral, but. Um, I think it's on a higher level. It, it expects more out of its audience than, say, oh, I don't know, any of the MCU movies. Because uh, I think it was only I... eight episodes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it took me about four before I realized what the hell was going on. <laughs> yeah, Legion's not an easy character to follow, even in the books. I mean, you he's an uh, unreliable narrator. So, oh, and you've got to yeah. remember that he, you don't know whether or not, even though he's narrating it, you don't know whether or not he's telling the truth, given his mental instability. So. Right. Um, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get off a tangent, but there's just, there's <laughs> so many, but this gets back to my point, my reoccurring theme in every podcast I'm on. There's so many great other Marvel characters from Mystique to, to Destiny that could be given a modicum of time, and yet we have a thousand Spider-Man movies. <laughs> it just makes me sad, and I know that's all lawyers and contracts, but god damn it. <laughs> hey, if they, I mean, if they keep trying, someone's gonna, like, I think Wonder Woman's gonna help a lot of this stuff push through. So I think you're absolutely right, and I'm hoping that some of these, I hope that Black Panther changes it too. Yeah. Because yeah. Black Panther has a lot of complex female characters in it, despite having a man a male protagonist, he's supported by women. He's mm-hmm. guarded by women. So his sister is playing a part in the movie. So uh, let's hope that these kind of cultural, you know, these, they're pushing the norm, they're pushing boundaries. And I hope that theme continues as we get, you know, more and more comic book movies out. Yeah. Uh, any Any sort of final thoughts for X-Men? We got two other real quick things to cover, and then I think that's it for us. Nothing. Andy, I've, I've said enough. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of excited for it. It sounds like it'll be pretty cool. I kind of hope they bring back the actor that uh, played Nightcrawler because I thought he actually did a fairly yeah. decent job in Apocalypse. And I really like Ty Sheridan, the guy that was Cyclops. Was yeah, one of the movies I think I actually felt like I cared for Cyclops as much as I like James Marston. They didn't give him anything to do. So they, and he went out like a bitch. Yeah, he did. I'm still mm-hmm. pissed about that. Half of the characters went out like a bitch. <laughs> yeah, they That's did. True. <laughs> just, we'll just never talk about that movie again. Uh, on to Jurassic <laughs> World. <laughs> uh, Jurassic World 2 just got an official title revealed today, courtesy of director J.A. Bayona. I think I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, Jurassic World 2 will now be called Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. What do you think of the title? Is there anything we can read into that and sort of guess what this movie could be about? It kind of sounds like a mobile game to me. <laughs> <laughs> Free Jurassic to play, World, but yeah. you got you got to actually pay money to win. Fallen Kingdom on your phone now. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I don't have much to say about this. I uh, I hope it'll be good. I don't want to see any high heels, and if I do see high heels, I want to see a joke about it. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. Yeah, I don't know where they'll take this because I, I don't feel like you can do another Jurassic Park movie on an island, like sort of in a park type thing. I feel like it has to go to the mainland, but I don't even know how that's going to work because we all saw the end of Jurassic, or the, what the hell was it, The Lost World when the T-Rex is running around San Diego, which was fucking stupid. Yep. Uh. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, 
they definitely want to get this movie and probably a Jurassic World 3 out there. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm curious enough to try to see what they do. Well, obviously they're going to be chasing down the uh, lead scientist guy that bailed in the first one, right? I would think, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. I, I would think that would be probably the, um, a major key plot point. Well, I think they said too that uh, Jeff Goldblum's in this one, right? Aren't they bringing? I think they're bringing Ian that's Malcolm in. What I, that's what I heard. Yeah. So I'm already like, I don't even care. I'm gonna go see this. Do you think there's chance that they'll bring in uh, Grant too? See, that's what I don't know because uh, Sam Neill, I know, was pushing for Jurassic Park four for a while, uh, and then Jurassic Park four became Jurassic World, and then he was nowhere to be seen talking about the movie. So I don't know if there was some sort of maybe creative differences there that Sam Neill was trying to push something that the studio didn't want to do. And now that the studio went a different direction, he doesn't want to be part of it. I'm not sure. But then again, a truckload of money talks a lot and could get him back in there. So we'll see what they do. I've already talked enough. I can't say anything else. (laughs) (laughs) We're giving you the opportunity. Anything you want to add for Jurassic Park? I don't, I honestly don't have anything. Okay. I'm going to go see it, and when the the credits start going, you know, like the opening credits, and they start playing the Jurassic theme, I'll get excited. So, hey, that, Yeah, that theme song is one of my favorites. Um, all right, uh, last bit of quick news. Uh, basically nothing more than like a PSA, but arguably one of the best Batman stories to be put to, mo- to film, or I guess it was film, uh, is finally making its way to Blu-ray. Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which is the animated movie in the style of Batman the Animated Series from the 90s, is I, I haven't seen a firm release date, but the thing I saw on Twitter from Warner Brothers said sometime next month it's hitting Blu-ray. So have you guys seen this movie when it was out back way back when? I remember watching it once when I was little, and I yeah. found it to be very slow when I was little because I was like, this isn't the animated series. They're like talking and shit. But I've heard um, so many people really love this movie that I really want to give it another shot. I, you should. I, I've seen it, again, perfectly legally streamed. Um <laughs> I, I I like it, and you know what? If you like the Killing Joke, I I think the pacing. All right, there's a lot less cerebral violence in this one, but the pacing is similar. It's more okay. for an adult audience, but it's animated. Um, I I think you'll like it. Give it a shot. Okay, yeah, it's definitely one I feel like I just need to add to my collection just because of how much people adore this movie as a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. And plus, it's like it, you know, it's in that iconic style of the animated series, which is awesome. So can't go wrong there either. Uh, Andy, did you see this movie at all? I have never seen it. Oh, okay. And I was a fan of the Batman animated series, so... Did you know of this movie? Like, do you remember it coming out or anything, or is this all I remember new? it coming out and all that jazz, but I just... Uh, I, I don't know why I didn't take the time out to actually see it, but I have not. But now that it's coming out the Blu-ray, I'll probably end up catching it. Okay. Yeah, I can't imagine it being a very expensive Blu-ray. It could be, like, the $10 bin type stuff. Uh... It's it's I mean it's got Mark Hamill in it, Kevin Conroy, the the team that we're familiar with. Um, the animation's very well done, and actually one of my complaints about the Killing Joke was that they tried so hard, especially in that second act, to keep it exactly to the book that the animation was a little poor. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping with this Blu-ray release, I mean, Mask of the Phantasm was very beautifully done. Uh, the animation team was, I thought, I, I mean, this look, look, this came out in 1993. I rewatched it about four years ago. Um, I, I just, I was impressed with it. Um, it didn't, you know, it, it kind of flopped. I think they had a budget of under $5 million and they didn't even make that back. So, but 
I thought it was, it's very beautifully done in the color and the, the use of the same team from the, the animation team that we love. Right. Um, it, it's got great ratings. Um, give it a chance. I think you guys will like it. And if you want me to come over and watch it with you, I will. <laughs> <laughs> not to pull your arm or anything. No, no, because we're not seeing it in the theater. It's fine. <laughs> There's no crying babies. I can have my alcohol and I, you know, my treats. It'll be fine. Show up with your snack bag and all this extra <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I think you guys will like it. Um, I, I See, I don't want to give too much away because if you haven't seen it, again, it came out in 93. Um, it's got all the good parts of the animated series, but for a more adult audience, give it a watch. Does it fit anywhere into the series? Like, is it, oh. you know, like, is it, like, should you watch, like, seasons one and two and then like watch the movie in season three i I feel like i remember it being a little bit like batman begins where it's like bruce's early gears as batman okay yeah this i think that's it where i think what in the animated series he like is batman so technically timeline wise this could take place before the animated series okay i honestly don't know i don't remember i i saw it four years ago um I mean, I mean the, it's the been Joker's so long in since it. I've... Um, the the love the the lover in question is Andrea Beaumont, who in the comics is a little bit earlier, but not too early. Um, yeah, it, I I know that it's based on. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Mike W. Barr is. No. Um, so this is the whole thing is based on Year Two, um, the comic okay. book that he made. Uh. But they completely took out the Reaper. Um, they kept the Joker in and put in the Phantasm. So okay. it was kind of a brand new idea. I, I think I think this is a standalone movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, if it fits, I'm sure some DC Batman super fan will correct me. My friend Terry Jones always does. <laughs> um, Terry Jones is great. He's a local comedian. Go go watch his stuff. Uh, but. I, to my knowledge, it doesn't fit in any canon that I know of, but I know that what it's based on is Michael W. R. Michael W. Barr's Year Two comic, but but has a completely new and original villain, which is Phantasm. Gotcha. Okay, well, that's enough to go on for now. Yeah. Yeah. Go watch it. <laughs> I'm sure it won't be very expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if it comes out on Blu-ray, maybe it'll hit like Netflix and stuff like that, and you can find it on there. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, all right. Anything else to add? Otherwise, I think that's it, and we'll close it down. Nope. No, I think we covered everything. Yeah. Like again, like I said, I've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> Becky needs to go take a nap. No. <laughs> recuperate after all this. I'm, I'm sorry, I talk so much, Bright Guy fans. <laughs> I get excited about stuff. No, this is good. Like I said, this is what that's, happens when we get real excited and passionate. That's why about you're this here stuff. to talk, yeah. right? I mean, that's why we have you on. Feel bad about that. <laughs> Uh, all right, so if you enjoyed the show, please stop by iTunes. You can leave us a five-star rating and review there. You can be sure to share, subscribe, favorite the show, wherever you decide to listen to us at. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook, search Bry Guy and Super Friends, or go to www.facebook.com slash Friends. And if you want to send us any questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff, you can hit us up on the Facebook page or email us at BryGuySuperFriends at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at BG Friends. Either one of those will work. And on behalf of Becky, Andy, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Is that gonna be? Is that gonna be your thing? How you end now?